What's up? It's episode 48, Pain Points of Wealth. And as summer is rolling along here, so is the economic data. We see unemployment now down to 5.4%, and the economy is not fully reopened yet. It's a phenomenal number. And we have the unemployment benefits coming off in September. What's that mean for company profits, for the economy, and inflation? Inflation numbers still looking strong, no matter what the government tells you. We're going to talk about all that today, the economic data, what you can expect from earnings this year, what you should be doing with your money. And on the tipping point today, where we pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth, we're going to give you our rules for investing, rules you can apply to your portfolio to make sure that you're on your path to financial independence. Let's hop to it. Hit the music. We've got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, it's really surprising to see the unemployment number drop the 5.4% when the JOLTS report came out and said there's 10 million job openings. So you have all these jobs. Meanwhile, the employment number keeps going up. The unemployment number keeps going down. And then there's a lot of people are so confident that they can find a better job. They're losing their job. I think the new favorite country song in the country is Johnny Paychecks, Take This Job and Shove It. Bob, you're going old school on us. I don't even know. I've never heard of that song. But you know, I don't understand the math on this. And again, I'm not an economist contrary to popular belief, but if we have 10 million job openings and there's like something like 9 million plus people that are unemployed, that means there's way more jobs than people that can fill them. Isn't that a problem? I mean, that's way more supply than there's going to be demand. Am I wrong? What's going on here, guys? Well, you know what, guys? I was talking to a client of mine and he and his wife lived down in South Carolina for part of the year. And he was telling me that he wanted to take his family out to dinner in the hottest restaurant in town during the hottest part of the summer was only open three days a week. It's only open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just because they can't get enough people to fill those jobs. So, I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. And they're throwing money at these people and no one wants to come back to work. Hey, Chris, the problem we're seeing all over the country, not just in South Carolina, it's in Florida. It's here in Ocean City. It's up in Manhattan. Restaurants are open. They have tables available. You can get a table. You can get a chair. You just can't get any food. There's not enough people in the kitchen and not enough people to get it out of the kitchen. That's the problem. They can't find workers. Well, it, it only gets worse because the demographics in the U.S. are terrible, right? And if you look at the fact that we have an aging population, pregnancy now is like 1.6 child per woman versus two children a decade ago. So it seems like this problem is not just a short-term problem. This is going to be a long-lasting problem. And if you look back to before the pandemic, it was already a problem because we already had some of the lowest unemployment in 50 years. What's it going to look like now by the time we get to the end of the year? I think this is the biggest problem that no one's talking about that we bring up a lot on this podcast. You know, Chris, I'm not sure where Ryan's getting the statistics. You know, Allie's going to have your nephew, my grandson, next month. And Ryan says we're having 1.6 children per woman. So is, is my grandson going to be 160% better than any other grandson? Or am I going to have one and a half grandchildren? I'm really confused. Science hasn't caught up with the data yet, Bob, but I'm sure we'll find out soon enough by September <laughs> at this point. Well, not only that, but you know, because he's from the pain lineage, he'll be exceptional. But you know, as soon as he comes out of the womb, he's probably going to have to go to work to start filling some of these jobs. <laughs> yeah, we put him right to work, right in the salt mines. I think that's the way to do it. 
But, you know, it, it's just a really interesting time because, again, we have this labor shortage that we're going to the end of the year. We have the economy still just running extremely hot right now. But if you start looking at sentiment when it comes to the stock market, you know, actually investors are not that bullish. Contrary to popular belief, if you look at it, like bullishness has cooled off to the place where we're actually below the average for people being optimistic on the stock market, which is kind of interesting right now. Well, that's a great thing. And big booming bull markets, they end when everybody's euphoric and everybody's anything but euphoric. I mean, they may be a little optimistic, but they're very cautious. I don't know about you guys, but almost every call I have with our existing clients is, hey, Bob, what are we going to do when the pullback comes? Do we have any cash to take advantage of the pullback? And I'm like, what pullback? Yeah. When everyone's waiting for it, it's not coming. Well, the other interesting thing is some of these riskier assets like cryptocurrency, Bitcoin right now is having a big rally. And again, that just speaks to some parts of the market right now are extremely speculative. I think one of the more interesting statistics I saw this week or pieces of data or news was AMC, the movie theater, you know, the company that's basically going bankrupt now for years, which is having this huge run up, is now accepting Bitcoin if you want to actually buy a ticket to go to the theater. I mean, is this the future, guys? What do you think? Well, if that's the future, then I'm not going to see any movies because I don't have any Bitcoin. So what do I do when I just want to go to a movie and pay cash? Does that still exist? You're out of luck, Bob. <laughs> you know with the program here. We told you to put all your money in Bobcoin months ago and you didn't do it. Well, going back to that whole idea of the fact that investors just aren't euphoric, I was talking to a client of mine yesterday and he started to accumulate quite a bit of cash. They're retired and of course they need money. But I said, is all this money necessary for your lifestyle? Can we get some of it invested? And he said, well, I don't want you to invest any of it because to dad's point, we'd like to have some money on the sidelines in case this market pulls back. I said, let me get this straight. I said, you're getting less than a 1% return on your money market and you have no idea what's going to happen in the future and you just want to let it sit on the sidelines? What if it never happens? And of course, you know, after I put it in perspective for him, he was willing to put the money away. But I think that's the sentiment of not only our clients, but the rest of the investing public guys. Well, that's what I've always told you guys in a big boom and bull market. The biggest problem is it doesn't let you in. I mean, there's so many professional money managers, high net worth investors, underinvested bears, underinvested bulls who are sitting on the sidelines waiting to get the dip that came last March. So they're thinking, oh, I'm going to buy stocks when they're cheap because I missed the opportunity to get in when I should have. That's why you always have to have a strategy, always be fully invested, always be invested based on your goals because the market doesn't accommodate you. Remember what I always say, time passes, markets operate. Neither cares how you think. And if you're not in, you are missing out right now. Well, it doesn't care how you think. And also, you have to remember the stakes are higher now. What you don't realize with inflation, the worst thing you can do is sit in cash. Because we were in this like precarious situation where we know costs are going up. You don't need an economist to tell you costs are going up. And we don't need, you know, we're talking about this labor shortage. It's happening, right? I mean, the math just doesn't work. You don't have 10 million job openings and only 9 million people to fill them. That just means that, you know, it's going to be so competitive in that labor market. Companies are going to continue to increase wages, which means they're going to increase prices on you and me. And what you have to think about is if you're sitting in cash as the purchasing power is diminishing faster than it did the last decade, it's the worst place you can be. You've got to have the most active portfolio where your money's working for you than you've ever had in your life. Because if you don't, that's the biggest problem is not having your money working, not being invested, like to your point. So right, let me ask you a question. So you're saying that clients should put their money into safe assets like big tech and 20-year treasuries, right? Chris, I don't think our listeners understand sarcasm. <laughs> no way in heck. We'll keep it clean here. That's the last place you want to have your money are in bond funds. And we see this every week because we probably look at more portfolios than anybody. And all these growth stocks that everyone loves and they're still doing well, the party's going to stop as inflation kicks in. We've been warning about this for a long time. 
but we see everyone's portfolio. You're still overweighted in the wrong places. Even though it's working now, the problem is when it stops working, no one's going to give you that warning sign. Well, that's what happens, guys. When you have an economy that's booming, I mean, we're at a big booming economy because of the pent-up demand, because of the recovery. And, you know, there's a lot of headwinds. And the financial media wants you to be scared. They're talking about the Delta variant and the Lambda variant. Let me just tell you about the markets. Markets don't decline on the same news twice. In other words, it only gets surprised once with a black swan. You know, you don't have a second black swan event with the same virus with the same bad news. So the market's already moved on. Remember, the market's smarter than everybody. It looks out three to 30 months. So don't think about great earnings, great ISM, PMI numbers. Think about what's the economy going to look like in three to 30 months. And to me, it looks pretty darn good. Hey, thanks for listening to episode 48, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you've been digging it every week. If you're on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, please. Give us your questions, topics that you want us to talk about. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can click the subscribe button. You can click that little notification bell so you can get notified of every week when we come out with our new episode of Pain Points of Wealth. We've doubled our listenership. Thank you for the support. Please keep supporting us, like our content, and pass it on. Anyone else can find this valuable. All right, gentlemen. Of course, I use that term very loosely. It's the tipping point where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, at our firm, Pain Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-A. When it comes to the 2,000 or so families that we advise when it comes to their finances, we come up with some definitive rules that we apply to every financial plan that we work on that I thought we could discuss some of those top principles that our listeners can apply to their own financial planning and investing. And the first one, which is very true when it comes to investing, is there's no reward without risk. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And therefore, that's why we have bubbles. People would rather invest in something that's bubblicious, that sounds so good, so sexy, so hot. How could you lose? There's tremendous risk in SPACs and crypto and hedge funds. Hey, Chris, we have a client the other day came in with a hedge fund saying, hey, this woman is brilliant, right? 17% year return over the last five years. Unfortunately, underperformed the underlying index by 5% a year. And then the client just found out they're down 32% year to date in this big booming bull market. How could anything go wrong? Well, if the goal was to lose money, then this person certainly outperformed. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good point. It's just like anything that can go up big. And I think crypto is a great example of that. We've seen a wild roller coaster ride in cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin. And remember, it was only two, three years ago, or 2017, when it went down 82%. And I think you're foolish to think that any asset class that can go up hundreds of percent can't go down 80, 90% as well. And it can happen several times. So I think that's the part that people forget when everyone's got the money in the markets. It's like the old Warren Buffett analogy of it's like when more people are going into the casino than out of the casino, it feels really, really good. It feels really safe. But we all know at some point that music stops. And again, there's no free lunch. Well, the opposite is also true, you know, in types of investments where they guarantee a certain return. But the reality is, is that that return may not keep up with inflation. So you sacrifice longer term returns for quote unquote safety. Chris, you can't be talking about an annuity, could you? And that's the problem, right? When you get guaranteed income for life, no downside on the market. Well, there are tricks of the trade in there and parts of the math that don't work in your favor. There actually is like tricks of the trade in that math that are actually stacked against you when you get these guaranteed incomes for life or you know, you're guaranteed to lose, not lose money on the downside. The reality is you're losing. It's just that salesperson is hiding it from you and you need to be better aware because again, you know, if it's too good to be true, it absolutely is. 
You know, guys, we always say if you want to get wealthy, concentrate. If you want to stay wealthy, diversify. I've never seen so many prospective clients call us over the last two or three months where they're heavily concentrated in either one stock or one area of the market and they don't see any risk. I think it's just fine. It's like, how can something that's going up all the time be so bad? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the statistics, most companies, 72% vastly underperform treasury bills over the long term and more than half earn a negative lifetime return. So that means that like whatever company you work for, you might be enamored with the stock because it's done so well. Eventually, it's probably going to underperform. And Bob, you know, the best example of this is Merrill Lynch. You worked there from the late 70s all the way into the millennium. And that stock did phenomenal for years. And it only took six months for a stock that was around for 92 years to basically go to zero. I mean, why take that risk? Any stock is susceptible to that. Hey, right. That stock only went from 96 to two in a blink of an eye. But hey, what can go wrong when you have a over-concentration in a stock that's been going up for 10 years? It can be gone in the blink of an eye. Well, you know, thank God that certain people on this podcast had a great financial advisor to get them out of hot water in that Maryland stock, but I'm not going to mention any names. Well, my greatness doesn't need an introduction, guys. But that's a great point. And I get this all the time from clients or people that work at a certain company where they say, hey, like I'm on the pulse of this company, so I'll know if things are going wrong. You won't. I worked at Merrill Lynch and no one told me that the investment banking side was leveraging these mortgages that was going to take the whole firm down. At the end of the day, it's just not worth the risk. And a lot of us don't realize how concentrated we really are. And this is something you really, really have to have it analyzed. Well, that's a great real world example. And Ra, you and I were on a call with somebody yesterday that just made a killing in their company stock. And we had talked about diversifying and getting his money spread out. And we said the key term that he was set for life with the caveat that we make sure that periodically we start to diversify out of that stock. And his comment is, well, you know, I think I want to let it ride for a little bit longer. And then we showed him what would happen, you know, if that stock price went to zero and what would happen to his net worth. And I think he was pretty convinced that it's the right idea to start diversifying and get money out of that one place where he has it all now. Well, the important point there is he didn't need the risk, right? I mean, if we diversified all that stock and got a modest return, he was set for life. But if that stock went down by 50, 60, 70, 80%, his entire retirement was derailed. And that's the question you have to ask yourself. Like, It's probably not going to change your lifestyle to get huge, huge returns. But if you get huge losses on the downside, that could dramatically reduce your lifestyle. Like, That's what you want to avoid at all costs. You know, the problem with being 68 years old is I've seen this movie over and over again. I don't have to go to those AMC theaters, right, to see this movie because it always happens. They get concentrated in the most overvalued parts of the market. And I'm starting to hear the age old excuse why we don't want to diversify. I don't want to pay taxes. I've made so much money. It's up so big. I don't want to pay taxes. Well, if we have a 2008, 2009 like market again, taxes won't be a problem. Your $20 million over-concentrated portfolio drops to $10 million in a period of six months. No more taxes to worry about. All you did was lose half your value. Why would you do that? Well, and even this year is the best example of that because taxes are probably going up. I'm going to take a wild guess here at the trillions of dollars that the government's printed that we're probably going to be paying more taxes in the next couple of years. So if anything, and you have a concentrated position or you have big long-term capital gains, take them now. <laughs> you know, don't wait. Get diversified. This is your chance to do it while the wind's at your back because eventually it won't be. And at that point, it's too late. Well, you know what, guys? We talked a lot about concentrating your portfolio in particular areas. But you know, one of the things that we often talk about is that there's no substitute for time in the market. You know, Dad, you're always famous at saying that the market's been going up since 1776 and that he who dies with the most shares wins. So really, it's just about staying in the market, staying in the course and accumulating shares all along the way. 
Exactly, Chris. But it's not just having a concentration of shares, like having shares of everything, being diversified across asset classes, within asset classes, and have a strategy based on achieving your goals. It's that compounding of dividends and interest that makes a difference. If you put all your money in the S&P 500 20 years ago, you're just breaking even You know, after 11 or 12 years in the first 12 years of having that investment. That last 10 years doesn't mean it's going to be the same for the next 10 years. Pass is not prologue. You have to be diversified. You have to be able to buy low, have the courage to do it, have the conviction to do it. And the best way to have conviction is to invest based on what you want, what your goals are, what your family needs are. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it sounds great in these all the euphemisms, be diversified across. Like, what does that actually mean? I think it's the bigger question. And, you know, that's where it comes down to, you know, having some sort of discipline when it comes to your investing. That's not based on emotion. It's not based on prophecies or based on opinions. And we're in an industry and we're in the world of investing as a world of opinions and prophecies, right? That's like all you hear about when you turn on the financial news is the big corrections coming. Put your money in big tech. It's better to wait to buy in six months versus right now, right? And then these has nothing to do with where you're trying to get to. And a plan essentially defends you against that. It's literally defending you against the barrage of data and information that's coming at you every single day. I mean, the ideal here is you just avoid the noise at all costs. You know, Rai, this week, Chris and I spoke to a pilot and he said, oh, I get it. This plan is like a flight plan, right? It's like everything goes perfect on paper, but when you actually take off, stuff happens. So you got to make sure that your flight is going well and you have to update the flight plan every year. Otherwise, you might crash and burn. That's right. You're trying to get to a destination. And just because there's a little bit of turbulence along the way, sorry for the euphemism, right? doesn't mean that you just fly to the next airport and land and stay there. You know, you got to keep going. You know, you got to stay the course. You got to get to your destination. Well, that's the thing, right? We think about as financial advisors, we think about what can go wrong at all times. And when you're in a big booming bull market like we are right now, you don't think that much about like all the terrible things that can happen. Yet we're thinking about it all the time because even what's worked for the last 10 years, you might not work the next 10 years. And you might think 10 years is a long time. It's really not when it comes to investing. And we've learned this, you know, decade to decade, the dynamics change consistently. And if you're not thinking about that, and you're not thinking that big, big picture of maybe at some point tech has a big correction, or we get a big crash in tech like we did back in the late 90s, like these things are probably going to happen again. And, you know, again, it comes down to strategically thinking about that today. And if again, if you have crypto in your portfolio, crypto could go down 80%. You know, what's your plan? How are you going to protect yourself? And I think that's what a lot of investors don't take enough time to think about. And that's what we literally think about every day. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead at any stage of your financial journey. But if you'd like a more hands-on approach and you've saved over $750,000 for retirement, Bob, Chris, and I will put together our total financial master plan for you. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally look at everything for you. We're going to do a full audit of your investments, the taxes that you're paying, a full financial plan that looks at your expenses, looks at your income, looks at how you can get on track to be financially independent. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, thanks for tuning in to episode 48, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, please give us five stars. If you're listening to this on iTunes, give us a like. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can click that notification bell so you can be updated every week of our new episodes. You can click the subscribe button. 
and click a like on this episode if you really like it. And don't be shy. Send it to a friend if it can find some use and value from our content. All right, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, with nearly three quarters of US workers fully vaccinated, many companies are trying to get workers back in person. Surprise. However, based on a recent survey, about 40% of employees say they'll resign if they have to go back into the office five days a week. You know, I really find it surprising that companies are pushing for people to be back in the office, their employees back in the office, because productivity actually has gone through the roof. And I'll tell you what, that's a hidden fact of finance that most of the people I talk to, most of my clients that I've shared that with, are surprised that productivity actually went up. But think about it. You're not sitting in that Holland Tunnel waiting to get to the office. You're not stuck in traffic. You're not in the airport flying out to see a client. Now, eventually, I think we're going to do more face-to-face meetings, but I think we have this hybrid workspace going on forever. You know, Ryan, I think Dad would resign if you ever made him go back into the office. (laughs) Bob, we didn't tell you mandatory in September. Sorry, you can't go to the beach anymore. You've got to be back in the office. Only if I can wear my suit and tie. (laughs) Never again. Chris, pandemic weight gain. 76% of America's gained weight during COVID, an average of 16 pounds, according to a June survey of 2,000 people by Nutrisystem. Well, I'm kind of disappointed. I wish that fact was 19 pounds so we could say people put on the COVID-19, but unfortunately, that's not to be. But I have to say, you guys all look very, very healthy. And I think that has something to do with mom's smoothies, but I don't know. (laughs) Everyone should just go on mom's smoothie plan, forget Nutrisystem. Bob, you'll like this fun fact. In 1967, when the film The Graduate hit the screens and Mr. McGuire gave Ben his famous one-word career advice, one word, Ben, plastics. McGuire might have given the best investment advice of the era because plastics was a business call for the ages. Back then, the world produced roughly the weight of 65 Empire State Buildings and plastics each year. Today, it makes more than a thousand. Wow, that's incredible. But the unfortunate thing about plastic, it seems like it's all ending up in the ocean and it's causing a big pollution problem. So hopefully we can replace plastics with even a better word. When I come up with it, I'll give you a call. Yeah, keep those oceans clean. All right, Chris, stocks haven't corrected 8 to 10% in nearly a year, and we're heading into the seasonally weak period of the year that runs from August through Halloween. Are we finally going to see our stock market correction? Well, I don't know, guys. I mean, we're going to get people getting back to work come September. People are still have that pent-up demand to get out and do things. More people are getting vaccinated every day. I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm saying no. I think the market's going to keep on chugging. All right, Chris is bullish. You heard it here first. Another great show. As always... Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Pain Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Pain Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.